Hey everyone, just wanted to give you a quick update. Not only is Curse of the White Knight on the shelves right now, but the Kickstarter for my graphic novel called Bloody Hell is currently live. And we had a pretty amazing first day when we got fully funded in less than seven hours, which is absolutely astounding. So thank you to everyone who threw in. And uh, the campaign is still going for the rest of the month. So if you want to check it out and see what all the fuss is about, you can head over to bloodyhell.com. That's B-L-O-O-D-Y-H-E-L.com. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the show. Welcome again to the Bat-Ass Podcast, the Batman the Animated Series show podcast where we talk about Batman the Animated Series. My name is Clay McCormick and with me is... I'm Sean Murphy. Yeah, and we are talking about a two-parter today. Uh, it's a two-part episode called Heart of Steel, part one and part two. Mm. And uh, yeah, we may as well just... It's actually, it's the first appearance of Barbara Gordon, so that's a big deal. Yeah, I didn't. Um, I totally forgot about that when I was reading over the highlights. I forgot that they introduced her before she was Batgirl, which is great. Yeah. Uh, it's actually, I'm actually really surprised that they did that. But uh, let me, we'll take a quick break and then we will get into it. Heart of Steel, both parts written by Bryn Stevens, both parts directed by Kevin Altieri. And in these episodes, we get two parts, so this might be a long reading. (laughs) Several robberies take place at major companies, including Wayne Enterprises, and Bruce Wayne, as Batman, discovers the thief to be a mechanical briefcase. Bruce meets with his old friend, Carl Rossum, an expert (laughs) in robotics who lost his daughter to a vehicle accident years ago. He also meets Rossum's assistant, Randa Dwayne, and Rossum's ultimate creation, a prototype AI known as Holographic Analytical Reciprocating <laughs> Digital Computer, otherwise known as Hardak. <laughs> Bruce invites Dwayne to dinner, and around the same time, certain civilians start acting strangely. Most surprising is when Dwayne unexpectedly leaves Wayne Manor while Bruce is on the phone and the entire Batcave turns on Batman. In part two... Batman manages to free himself from the Batcave's clutches and brings it back under his control, although he falls, although he fails to track Dwayne down. They keep saying Dwayne. It's very, why do they use the, the, the first name? Uh, it's not just a dude he has over for dinner. Um, Barbara Gordon approaches Batman to inform him of her father's sudden change in behavior. A brutal fight between Batman and Detective Bullock ensues, during which Batman pushes Bullock onto the bat signal and reveals him to actually be an android, meaning that the real Bullock and James Gordon have gone missing. And Batman knows who the culprit is, Hardak. Batman must stop the evil supercomputer before it is too late. Now, wow. Um, I found this one pretty interesting because at the it felt like it didn't quite have enough story to fill two episodes. That's interesting. I never thought about that. Yeah, like the first episode is is fairly light. You know, it's it's very it's all set up. 
Um, it's just kind of introducing the Hardak thing. And by the end of the first episode, it's not really even clear exactly what Hardak's plan is or, or anything. Right, yeah. Um, but I think s- episode two is really strong. And I love the... Uh, I'm a big, I'm a sucker for like doppelganger and doubles and identity stuff. And uh, it kind of turns into like invasion of the body snatchers by way of the Terminator. And I I really, I actually really liked part two. Yeah. You know, I feel like because they had so much time to uh, really expand on some of the story, like you got this great sequence where this uh, mechanical briefcase is breaking into the office and it's it's just a silent sequence of this briefcase growing legs, sneaking through sensors and, you know, using a laser beam to cut through walls to steal. Mm -hmm. And I I thought that whole thing was really well done. And I don't know if you would have had the time to do that sort of thing if you kind of jammed all this into one episode. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, I, it's, it's, it's weird because I don't think it's, I don't think it should have been one. I just don't know if it was enough for two full episodes. Right. Uh, but I, but I agree. I think they do a lot of fun stuff in the first episode that I don't think you would have the time to do in a, in a regular episode. The, uh, the briefcase stuff is cool. Um, <laughs> I, I actually really liked Batman's glider cause it, it first he, he gets it out of like a closet on top of the building. <laughs> and then after he crashes and burns, they cut to him dragging it in through the elevator of the bat cave which implies that he like walked home with it <laughs> just dragged it the whole way like a sad yeah. kid with a wagon <laughs> yeah um but yeah as far as uh this is this is one where uh the villain is a villain who i think is a creation of the show at least from all of the uh looking up that i did right and uh i actually really like this 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 villain he's or it's uh i think it I think the second episode really makes him a worthwhile villain because they get into the really fun uh, body switching stuff. Right. Uh, but it's a different kind of villain. That's This kind of thing seems more suited for Superman, actually. You know, I was going to say that this seems like a kind of Superman, like a Brainiac type of story in a small yeah, way. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, how did you feel about... Uh, <laughs> how did you feel about Batman... Not knowing Bullock was a was a robot, <laughs> then but killing him, throwing, and then yeah, after. but killing him by throwing him into the bat signal anyway. <laughs> it was there's a what was it? So there was a movie where uh, someone does that, and they're like, oh, oh no, I think this was a Simpsons episode. The Simpsons, yeah, yeah, where we're like, that. oh, yeah. you knew it was Zombie Flanders. How did you know? And he's like, he was a zombie. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh well, fuck you, Bullock. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, h- how do you feel about uh, robots as a villain for Batman? You know, I, that's my one. If you had pitched this to me, I would have said no because I feel like the um, pulp aspects of the genre, the, the sort of type of Gotham that they're going for, I don't know mm-hmm. if it lends itself to hacking, nanotechnology, and robots, really. Um, right. You have kind of a 1930s Batman, and I don't really see Terminator robots fitting that. However,. I stand corrected because I think this is one of my favorite two-parters that they did. So, yeah, I think that it works. Somehow they handled it in a in a way that didn't feel like it was disrupting the universe that they set up. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, the design is actually very '30s and like Art Decoy. Uh, yeah, Hard X design. Hard X design actually looks like the handle of my electric toothbrush. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
But yeah, it's like in in the uh, the suit that uh, uh, Randa is wearing when she shows up for the first time. That sort of like silver thing that yeah. fully encases her head. It feels it, it's another episode uh, that feels very much like it's out of the Fleischer Superman universe. Yeah, you're right. I think you're right. That's why it worked. Is you don't really see the T two robot that often. You're kind of introduced to this Deco Hal giant Hal looking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, interface and then her like Willy Wonka chocolate factory scrubber suit, whatever. <laughs> you know, when they scrub yeah. the, uh, the, there's a, a, a and Char- Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory, whatever they, when they clean this thing, they all have to be, all the Oompas have to be wearing this like suit, yes. right? That's yes. what she looks yeah. like she's wearing, but she's not yes. an Oompa. I'm sure yeah, there's better I mean, ways for me to have worded that sentence. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. Maybe she was, maybe she was cleaning out the tubes of Hardak or something. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's a dirty job. <laughs> clean out his tubes. Speaking of speaking of, uh, of of cleaning, I like when uh, when Batman explains artificial intelligence and wrote in the robot situation to, uh-huh, to, to Alfred. Alfred. Yeah. And he's like, well, well, at least they'll never be able to take place of uh, take the place of butlers. Exactly. I mean, jokes on him. Arguably, butlers are the first to go if if uh, Roombas are anything. To I know. Go by. I know. Roomba is like Alfred's nightmare, basically. Yeah. Have you seen that robot that they have at Stop and Shop now? No. There is a robot at Stop and Shop. It is uh, basically... It's oh, like wait. A, it has eyes on it. It just follows you around, and if you need something, you can yell at it or something? Yeah, something like that. And, it, and it, it's like five feet tall. Uh, it's, it's, it's very thin, very tall, and it just kind of like goes right. around the store. And right. if there's a spill, it doesn't clean anything up. It just alerts people to the spill. <laughs> it just comes up to you. As you're ordering your steak, like, hey, psst, don't go into aisle three. Someone yeah. <laughs> drop some glass in there. They really ought to yeah. clean it up. Bye. Yeah. Basic. <laughs> basically, it's basically it's a like a million dollar replacement for someone picking up the phone and say, clean up on aisle three. But like, it's just so weird. Like, how is where's the return on that investment going to be? You know? I don't know. I think. <laughs> I mean, my the the cynical part of my brain says that it's it's their way of getting people used to seeing robots in the grocery store. Right. That's how so it all, you, that's how it all starts. You know. Exactly. You <laughs> get the ones that are that don't really have any job that are fairly unobtrusive. Right. And then you know, two years later, it's you've got a robot wearing a hairnet cutting bologna slices for you. <laughs> oh man, you mean like the one that was featured in uh, Mask of the Phantasm? There was a bologna slice robot. Oh yeah, there was. Oh my yeah. god! <laughs> oh, I thought you were referring to that. Okay. No, I wasn't. I mean, I, I mean, I was because <laughs> that's so how clever. <laughs> on target I always am on this show. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I can't wait till there's a clay robot that takes over your hosting abilities on the podcast. Oh man, as long as I get money from it, it can do whatever it wants. Yeah. Um, did did you did you pick up that the uh, the guy? who creates Hardak, his <laughs> yeah. voice is uh, J.F. Sebastian from Blade Runner. Totally, yeah, and he was even modeled after him, I think. Yeah, he looks just like him. Yeah, yeah. he really does. Because I, I, as soon as he came out, I was like, that looks a lot like, and then he started talking. I was like, ah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, the, I have it on in the background now, and I'm seeing like all the like, tube elevator technology. A lot of it, uh, the robots look like Jetsons-style, like Futurama-style mm-hmm. World's Fair-type tech. You know what I mean? I think that's why this works for me. Like, I wouldn't have necessarily thought that they would have gone this way, but that's what's that's what makes it work basically. Like right now, I'm looking at this this lamp on his desk, which is making him tea or something. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah, um, I do really enjoy when he's introducing the concept to uh, to Bruce, and he's like, "This is Hardak, my 
definitely not evil giant blinking <laughs> red light machine. <laughs> I know. Yeah, you know, I don't know why they. I mean, when you was, do you think Hal looked evil when audiences first saw him? Like, do you think that he was designed to be eerie? I think I think there was probably a design there to be cold, right? You know, uh, to go with the the coldness of the voice, right. uh, which then turns into this this fairly uh, uh, malicious uh, right. image, you know. But if they made his light blue or something less threatening than red, I don't know if if I'd love to be in the meeting when they discuss discuss like how they wanted the interface to look and if they wanted it yeah. to be kind of scary looking, you know. Yeah. Oh, I think I think a different color light would really change the way it looks, uh, or the way it comes off. Because I mean, red yeah. a red light has so many connotations to totally. it. You know, as far yeah. as uh, alarm, just in general, alarm or stop lights or anything right. like that. It's it, totally that, blood. That that yeah, blood. Um, and that like light color blue that they use a lot doesn't have that. It's a lot. It's it's oddly um, that blue color that they use a lot is strangely warmer than uh than like a the red light of hal right. uh cuz it's such an icy blue but it doesn't it doesn't have any sort of uh inherent um evil built into it right <laughs> so uh do you want to talk about barbara uh yeah oh so yeah let's get into bad girl um yeah that was kind of where most of my thoughts were around this was sure. uh, where how do you feel about batgirl have you ever thought of a good story for her? Is she the type of character that you are drawn to? Like, what are your thoughts on her overall? Um, I've always found Batgirl to be kind of in a weird place because I've always liked the character. Yeah. Uh, but I, I was looking her up because um, I, I had never really l- looked into her origins that much. Right. And it didn't surprise me to find out that she, Bar- Barbara Gordon is actually a creation of the 66 Batman show. Huh. Yeah. And I didn't know uh, that either. yeah, um, the, the concept of Batgirl existed previously um, after the books uh, going small history lesson, I guess. <laughs> after the book uh, Seduction of the Innocent came out in 1954. And in that book, they accused Batman and Robin of be of turning kids gay. Uh, they, <laughs> as you do, yeah. Uh, they created uh, Batwoman as a love interest for Batman, and then shortly after that, uh, her her niece, who was Bat Dash Girl, uh, who was a love love interest for Robin, right. and uh, that mm. then that kind of like snowballed into the original Bat Family thing, which was very literal. Uh, until uh, they kind of got rid of that stuff. And then around Crisis of Infinite Earths, they just kind of scrapped all that shit. Um, But uh, they dumped the original version of Batgirl, uh, I think, in like 1964. Right. But um, the producers on Batman the show were looking for something to bump up ratings for season three. And they saw the designs of of this Batgirl character, and they said, "Let's do that." And so then they basically adopted right. that and right. turned it into Barbara Gordon, and then the comics followed suit. Hmm. And that origin doesn't surprise me because she feels very she doesn't feel like a very organic character. Right. Um, Batgirl Barbara Gordon does like it makes sense to me that Commissioner Gordon would have a daughter, but the fact that she is 
also a crime-fighting vigilante who's part of the Batman family Mm -hmm. has never really sat with me as something that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I I write it that way because it's just what I'm used to. But um, I'm I'm curious. When did Batgirl become uh, Gordon's daughter? Was that the comics? Uh, that was the Batman TV show. Oh, sorry. Did you say that? Uh, I, I think I, it was in there somewhere. Okay. Um, I thought she was uh, Batwoman's niece. It was a different character. Oh, uh, sorry. The, okay. The the uh, uh, Batwoman. Her name was Kathy Kane. Right. When she when she appeared in 1956, and then in 1961, they introduced Betty Kane, uh-huh. who was her niece, as Batgirl. Okay. Um, and then they ditched those characters in 1964, um, and then the uh, the the idea of Batgirl was brought back for the show, and then consequently, with also the comics kind of followed behind. Okay. So in the 66 Batman, Barbara Gordon mm-hmm. was her name. Yep. Okay, got it. <laughs> and she's actually, you know. Uh, in the com- in her original incarnation, she's a uh, she's a doctor. Originally, she's huh. a uh, PhD depicted as a career woman with a doctorate in library science, as well as being head of Gotham City Public Library. Wow! Quote: Presumably one of the largest libraries in the DC Comics version of reality. Wow, that's yeah. I'm glad you found that stuff, man. I didn't even think to research that. That's that's crazy. Yeah, and uh, I think I think somewhere along the line, it must have been um, around after Crisis. It seems like they they kind of revamped her and made her more of a uh, just sort of a normal person. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I've actually never really dug into if there has been much of an explanation as to how she becomes Batgirl in the comics. Right. That would have been good for which us is, to do. <laughs> we can yeah. have uh, more well, episodes the, with her. We can do this next time. Yeah, because I mean, it's, this is just Barbara Gordon, the character. It's not a, it's not Batgirl, right. um, you know, yeah. proper. But uh, um, how do you feel about her? I didn't know how much I liked her until I started to write her. Mm-hmm. Um, I threw her into White Knight because she's there, and I, I thought about the Bat family and I thought about their dynamic, and I'm like, all right, Bruce is going over the edge. He's an asshole. Um, Nightwing's had it with him. Um, you know, Alfred's incommunicado because he's sick mm-hmm. and I thought well Batgirl seems to be the one who's most well adjusted um, she didn't lose her dad she right. has a family she doesn't have daddy issues she, d- she doesn't look to to Bruce to be a father figure she strikes me as kind of a tomboy who really enjoys doing this stuff for the right reasons like she wants to hang out with Batman and she wants to do good and you want so she wants to make her father proud but at the same time she can't tell him you know what 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 she really does you know and uh for me the she she ended up being the comic relief in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um and i wasn't just trying to make her the haha character but i really wanted to set her up as being comic relief and then when it counts she really can put her foot down and like at one point she actually flips batman onto his back because she's just sick of his attitude or whatever so i feel right. like she can bring down um she can get very serious when she needs to and uh, you, it's good to not underestimate her you know Right. Uh, but overall, like, I never really thought of myself as being good at writing women. Um, when Growing up in, you know, 90s comics with Image, it was just so macho and masculine. And mm. uh, I didn't know what female characters would say. I didn't have interest in writing as many women. Like, even when I wrote Punk Rock Jesus, I just had all male characters in there. And uh, right. sorry, this is getting long-winded. 
Um, no, I think it's interesting because I mean I think that's something that that a lot of writers won't actually admit to. You oh know? yeah, no, I, and I tried to fix it. I mean, um, so I met, so I t- Karen Berger brought me really helped bringing me to comics, and my I have a lot of women who really helped me out. And uh, Karen said to me, "I love the story Punk Rock <laughs> Jesus, but there's no female characters in this at all." Mm-hmm. And I felt so stupid when she pointed that out because I just wrote the script. And I'm like, "Oh fuck, you're right." Like, what the hell was I thinking? And I it had a it bothered me that I had done that, and it wasn't you know that I'm sexist or anything, but I just felt uncomfortable writing women because I don't know what women want. I don't know what their right. character should do. I didn't feel qualified to be so presumptuous as to write a lady into the story, which is so stupid. Like you know, now I, I know why those arguments are all not <laughs> not those don't work. Obviously, you need to have women in your story. Men writing women is fine. Women writing men is fine. Blah, 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 blah. Um, So I really tried to plan Batgirl and make her well-rounded and not make her just the comic relief, not make her just the mom figure. I really wanted to give her some urgency. Mm. And uh, especially in issue, sorry, volume two, she... She goes rogue at some point, and I can't explain right. why yet. But I really had a good time writing her, and I felt unintimidated to just tackle her like how I always wanted to. And I am just as surprised as anybody that she became one of my favorite characters. Because, again, I started out as a writer not feeling comfortable writing women at all because I didn't want to get yelled at. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what women wanted in comics, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, I'm kind of all over the place here. I didn't really plan this out. No, no. Did you... Uh, did- did you have anything that that sort of helped you f- from falling into traps of, of writing what would traditionally feel like a one-dimensional female yeah. character? I for me, um, good question. I so when you're writing Harley, especially, she's another tough cookie. If you don't handle her well, it could blow up in your face. Mm-hmm. And she is a, a victim of the Joker or slash mm-hmm. survivor. But I, I so for me, it was important for her to admit her flaws and own it and almost say you know i know i'm fucked up i know i made a lot of mistakes um but i wouldn't really change much because i that's just who i am i know who i am now like if you took away my flaws i wouldn't know who i was anymore you know right Uh, even uh, with neo joker like she kind of likes being fucked up because if she wasn't fucked up she wouldn't recognize herself and i think it's okay to embrace that we're all a little fucked up so for me you can have a character that has flaws but as long as she's self-aware, he or she is self-aware, that can kind of save it. So mm-hmm. with all of my female characters, I, I try to make them more than just one-dimensional. Um, but the other thing, too, is like I don't really draw TNA-type art mm-hmm. as well, to bring in another angle of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, in the 90s, it was a lot of girls wearing tight shirts and you know impossible skinny waists and all that. Um, and I was never really that kind of artist anyway. Like I always drew, drew women. I tried to draw them more empowered, more equally um, viewed as men. If you know, if I drew a woman TNA, I would try to draw a man TNA just to balance it out. It's just right, how I've right. always sort of approached it. Maybe it's like my Catholic guilt or something. Um, <laughs> but when I started getting more into writing, I think it makes sense that I didn't just do damsels in distresses. Like I automatically went for. Um, uh, like the, the punk rock Jesus, the main, the, the, the woman who's, she's a doctor. She's the clone, uh, scientist. So she's smarter than anybody. Like I always tried to make women the, the strongest characters I could. Mm-hmm. Um, and even with books like the wake or 
Tokyo Ghost, I was always sort of pushing the writer like, hey, can we beef up the girl a little bit? You know, make her right. more than just the girlfriend character. Right. You know, the whole Me Too thing in comics. Like, I want to be a part of the solution, obviously. So I've been sort of trying to do my best as I can and um, being very careful with when it comes to characters like Harley Quinn, especially. Mm. Yeah, and I think I think it's easy to uh well let me let me phrase that um i think sometimes it's hard to admit that when you don't know how Mm -hmm. to write a character so you're specifically not doing it because you you're kind of afraid to do it right um and i think a lot of people who start writing who only know x y x certain um who maybe who grew up on that kind of style of comic uh might not be used to writing a female character for exactly that reason. Right. Um, but I think that's why you have to work that much harder and really, like you're saying, kind of break it down uh, and, and figure out how to push through that. And it's, it's, uh, it's unfortunate that that's, that those uh, preconceptions are there, but unfortunately yeah. they are for a lot of people. Like yeah. I, the first thing, the first comic I ever did um, call uh, that I wrote myself called dead meat. Mm. Um, I was, it, it only had a couple female characters in it. Right. And I didn't do that on purpose. It was because the characters that I were writing, I was writing were based on friends of mine. And I didn't have many female friends that, you know, I hung out with all the time. So right. it just it just ended up swinging that way. But when I saw that happening, I was like, oh, geez, I'm, that, <laughs> there's, there's obvious reasons why this isn't good. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think it, and the thing I'm doing now, too, it was it was a uh, um, I'm working on a book that takes place during the First World War, primarily on the fir- on the front lines. Right. And there just isn't there weren't really a ton of women in the trenches. Right. As soldiers, you know, firing guns, but it, I found a way to work it in, uh, mm-hmm. in a way that luckily based on the concept of the book doesn't feel that weird. Um, right. But you know, it's that kind of stuff that you have to, that you have to keep your eyes open for because it's, it's very easy, especially as a guy to, f- to forget to do that. Yeah, totally. And that, I think that's what Karen was gently nudging me to do. And she didn't have to say much before I caught on, but I, I think that even now, I think you look at some studies and comics, mainstream comics still is mostly white guys. Yeah. And it, it was like that in the 90s, even more so. And, you know, we have a lot more female readers now, more diversity fighting for some real estate. And, you know, fair enough, as they should. And um, it didn't occur to me, like, you know, you and I see the world through the lens of a straight white guy. That's mm-hmm. everyone, that was most people in comics for a long time. And, um, yeah, when I started waking up to that fact and trying not to you know, do what they did in the nineties, try to make an effort to write compelling female characters. Yeah. I was, I was happy to do it. And yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it seems so irresponsible to just write, you know, a bland one dimensional chick in your comic. Oh, of course. You know, course. like it's yeah, just hundred percent. Yeah. But it's funny though, cause I really enjoy a lot of these B movies from the seventies and those women were not written well. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, you know, it's it's. I always I always think it's uh, 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 one of my favorite movies is The Thing, and mm. there's there's there's, yeah. there's no women in that movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a Shawshank Redemption fan. No women in that movie, right? Except the one yeah. he kills at the beginning, <laughs> <laughs> which is not not great, unfortunately. I know, I know. <laughs> and it's and it's one of those things where I think for a lot of people or a lot of guys anyway yeah um you will you will think well i don't see any problem with that 
right. until you talk to someone who does see why that could be a problem. They go, oh, yeah, that's a good point. I guess right. there's no reason why one of those scientists in Antarctica couldn't have been a woman. I know. You know it, it seems it, so obvious now, but it just wasn't on our radar for a long time. And uh, it was brought to our attention. And, you know, you and I, I think, are trying to be better about that. Yeah, and I, I think I think comics as a whole is too, which I think is is yeah. is really great. And you want you know sitting at a table, seeing my readers, especially when you do image books. I felt like half of my readers were women, and it's hard not to think about that when you're sitting down and drawing and you're wondering right. what these ladies are going to think of when they read your book. And you want them to like it. You you want to keep these customers. And if you're doing something right that's drawing female readership, awesome, keep doing it, because those are like the the untapped resources of comics. Um, I think a lot of people see women coming into the industry as some sort of weird threat. Um, I think it <laughs> just makes us better. I mean, I, I think the, uh, yeah, I think it challenges us and asks us to be better. And, you know, I think, yeah. I mean, yeah. The- and I mean, I think also the more, uh, the more books you have that are going to appeal to women, right. you're going to have the more people, more women who are going to want to get into the business. Right. And they're they're the ones who are in are sorry the ones who are in are very good yeah you know it's 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 they are fantastic artists fantastic writers and it, they're it's nothing nothing but a positive yeah yeah for sure and it makes us even when we did the apprenticeship I, I just didn't, I wanted it to be fifty fifty if I could I just feel like it's better when you're not homogenized I think it's better when you're mixed yeah. up because you have new people in the in the drawing studio that have different ideas and you know yeah it just it wasn't just for like optics and diversity points i legit right, feel right. like it is better to diversify the team just for the sake of creativity you know full stop yeah, yeah absolutely but as far as Bar- barbara gordon is concerned yeah <laughs> um do you feel like do you feel like it's weird that batman just kind of lets her be part of the crew <laughs> yeah cuz like yeah is Shouldn't he, should he not at least be harder on her or something? Well, you don't find out until season four that he did vet her. He did okay. figure right. out who she was, and he sort of knew everything he needed to know about her, but never brought it up. Because I've, I've always felt like, for Batgirl, that's the one thing that has always felt weird to me. Because mm-hmm. if you go down the list of like the other people Batman works with, you've got Dick Grayson, mm-hmm. who was uh, a, an acrobat whose parents were killed in a similar way to, to Bruce Wayne's right. so that, that he then trained. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got uh, Jason Todd. Well, I guess he wasn't. He was not really much of anything. He was just kind of like a car thief, I guess. Um, <laughs> angry, but, angry you know, car thief. I, I guess, yeah, and, and Tim Drake has some level of, of, of uh, uh, training behind him. Mm-hmm. But it always seemed kind of kind of weird that it was like all of these highly trained characters and then also Jim Gordon's daughter. <laughs> I know. <laughs> who has no, like, fighting training. Uh, I guess you yeah. can assume that Batman probably took her under his wing as well and probably taught her as the same way right. that he taught Dick, but I don't know. I think he does. I think there's an episode yeah. coming up where she's in the cave training. Um, I think that the, there is probably an element of um, Bruce didn't want to say no to her because she's Gordon's daughter. And if he has her approval, then he knows he has Jim's approval in a way. Like, mm-hmm. I think there's a psychological boon to him befriending Barbara as, as Batgirl and bringing her into the, the, the click, you know? Do you think uh, there's another way you could view it, though, where Batman would actively try to push her away oh, yeah. because she's Jim Gordon's daughter. Totally. Yeah, you could write it that way as well. I mean, I think both yeah. both work depending on which way you want to handle it. Yeah, I mean, you could even go for kind of a combination of the two where 
he pushes her away because she's Gordon's daughter, but he knows also that she's going to get herself killed if she keeps doing this. Right. So then he has to try and, you know, like, all right, well, if you're going to do this, I may as well teach you how to do it right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think so. I also step, like how... Step one, move to the outskirts <laughs> of some karate village for five years. <laughs> karate village. I think it's interesting how um, Robin... I don't know if it was in this episode so much as when she becomes Batgirl, but he's mm-hmm. more resistant to her. He's slightly more sexist. I think he even says, like, you can't tag along, little girl. He says something really patronizing to her, and I don't think Batman ever said anything like that to, to her, but Robin no. Robin does. Robin Robin seems to... I, uh, a couple episodes ago, I think it was the Ninja episode, uh, I mentioned how it felt like Robin seemed really young and seemed like really kind of goofy and, and kid-like. Mm-hmm. And I think even though he's supposed to be like 19, I think they're writing him as sort of the voice of the viewer. Right. So he has a he has more of a childlike outlook on stuff. And so I'm assuming they're probably using that opportunity to have a younger a character with a younger mindset be like ew girls and then batman be like yo shut up dude yeah that gives batman the opportunity to be like robin do not be sexist yes exactly yeah 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 i don't know i really like yeah i and i didn't know how huge batgirl is to readers yeah uh men and women they just mm-hmm. love love her and um yeah i mean i uh got to redesign her character for the mainstream uh, comics recently. Mm-hmm. Um, it was this, a friend of mine was editing the books and she said, do you want to do some Batgirl covers? And I said, okay, great. But I, I want to do them my way. Like, I don't want editorial interference. Can you do that? She's like, yeah, sure. And I'm like, good. Cause I don't do any other work at DC other than my own book. So let's, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it right. So she's like, fine. So then, uh, the powers that be at DC realized, wait, Sean's doing these covers. How did you get him agree to get him to do this? Sean never does anything but his own book. And she's like, oh, you know, Sean's a friend and he's doing me a favor. So suddenly they're like, well, let's get Sean to redesign the character. Mm. So she's like, well, they want you to redesign the character, but they can't afford to pay you anything. So I was like, (laughs) okay, well, I guess I'll do a quick sketch. And she's like, well, how do you see Batgirl? And I said, well, I see her as I drew her in White Knight. That is my Batgirl, kind of like Mm -hmm. the uh, Burnside meets, I don't know, something. Um, but she, the mask, she, all she's wearing is like a spirit mask. She's not wearing a cowl of anything that covers her head. Like I really wanted to reveal her hair and, um, the bat ears come through like a barrette or a hairband or something underneath mm-hmm, their hair. Mm-hmm. I'm dating myself by using the word barrette. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> scrunchy. So, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Much better. So, uh, they, they, but they said to me, okay, we want you to redesign her, but we want you to give go off of this costume and they sent me the fucking worst one they sent me <laughs> batgirl year one which is gray and blue with a yellow band it's like the most boring I, I hate this costume i don't know who's listening to it and if you are and you're crying right now i'm sorry so um yeah i i toyed with the year one costume I, like i tweaked the boots a little bit i got rid of the cowl and just went with the spirit mask i didn't do much to it and I see people online who are, who are bagging the costume all the time. Like, I fucking hate this costume. Sean Murphy thinks he's so cool. He designed this. It looks just like the year one costume. And I want to chime in and be like, yeah, I hate that costume too. I, I didn't want to design this. They didn't even tell. I didn't get paid for it. Like, all I did was, tw- if you want to see my Batgirl, go to my book. I do not like yeah. gray Batgirl at all. They made me do it. I regret taking the gig. I actually only ended up doing three covers instead of four. Because then they started weighing in more and more and getting way too interested. And I thought, you know what? This is not what I signed up for. So this is why I don't do a lot of mainstream comics. 
Yeah. Uh, I also think that that costume, for whatever reason, is one of those costumes. Your your redesign is one of those costumes that doesn't look... If you you don't think it looks good when you draw it, Mm -hmm. it looks even worse when a lot of other people draw it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Because... And I, I, I'm, I hate to, to bag on other people drawing that costume, but it, it mm-hmm. just, for, uh, I, I thought Capullo's um, Batman redesign was the same thing. It yeah. looks great when he draws it, but right. then I saw someone else do like a promo, and I was like, ugh. Yeah. It just doesn't. It there, there's so much. There's so many little bits that that he knows how to make work, and I think that you know how to make work. Right. That when you are just drawing Batgirl as part of this other thing and you got to use this costume and it's like oh she's got some straps on her shoulders and shit i know it yeah. just it doesn't it it doesn't translate yeah. as well as it could i can't wait till they get past the crappy sean murphy version and get back to uh, <laughs> i like the burn side i thought the purple and black was yeah, awesome i don't think it needed to be fixed but uh i'm surprised yeah. that you didn't you didn't angle to to do a cover with a motorcycle because she's got a motorcycle in that <laughs> in the Burnside book i did actually so i did do oh really Two, two motorcycles that I did for the new Batgirl, and uh, I picked up, like, a BMW concept bike, and I gave her. Um, I tried to pick something easy that the artist... Clearly, could... I, did, clearly I didn't read them. No, so. it's, it's okay. Well, so they wanted me to... So I said, let me redesign her motorcycle, too. And they were like, great. But I had to design a bike for other artists, and I know artists hate drawing machines, so I tried <laughs> to draw something that any artist could generally get... So I tried to go with basic shapes and draw a turnaround for this bike just to make it easier on artists who hate drawing ellipses and stuff like that. So Yeah, that's why it has square wheels. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, sorry. I'm that's... doing way more talking about inside stuff than I usually do on this episode. No, I, I, I think that's a fun story. I enjoy <laughs> that story. Um, I, you know, the funny thing, I, and we, we, talk, we mentioned earlier that we were going to wait to go into detail on Batgirl, but Whoops. we're here, so we may as well Might do as well it. just get it out there. <laughs> um, the thing that I've always found so funny about Batgirl's design, generally, is when they, they do pull back on the mask, mm-hmm. so it's like a lot of hair, really wide eye holes in the mask and stuff, uh-huh. and I've always been like, arguably, she should have the most concealing mask out of everybody, I yeah. would think. yep. I know. Which is when they did that, when they did the one uh, in the mid 90s where it was like a full face that yeah. even covered her mouth. The, I think uh, Alex Maleev designed it. I think that's a, K- a Kane, Casey Kane. That's a. Yeah, a one Kane. of those. I, yeah, I can't remember what the name of her character is. Let me look up real quick because I got it right here. Because it, it was uh, a different Kane and it sounds it was sounds just like the original Batgirl, but it wasn't. So it's confusing everybody. Yeah, it was Cassandra Kane. See? Isn't that yes. fucked up? <laughs> Spelt differently, too. Ugh. So that doesn't help either. I know. Come on, comics. Uh, but yeah, when, once I saw that, I was like, yeah, that's the kind of mask Batgirl should have. You shouldn't be able to see any part of her face. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think but that yeah. she's supposed to be fun and like a little sister character. Yes. I don't yeah. see her as like boobalicious and sexy like you might no. see, I don't know who else, um, Rachel Gould's daughter. Yeah, Huntress, sure. I don't really yeah. know. But yeah, Batgirl, like I've never, I don't really like it when they go TNA on her. I think she's more of like cutesy girl next door kind of cool nerd type of chick, you know? Yeah, she's definitely not that kind of character. And yeah. uh, she's uh, she's always, you know, really smart. She's really smart in this episode. She's on, she's in it very briefly. Yeah. Um, how, how do you feel about them uh, introducing her in this way pre without bringing Batgirl along for the ride? Because they very easily could have had this yeah. episode end with Batgirl swinging in to help save the day or some shit like yeah. that. Yeah, well, they did this with Harvey Dent, too, which I thought was smart. You introduce him before he yep. p- puts on his costume, basically, so you get to know him in a world, and then you see the change after. So I, I think that they stayed true to form. 
with her. Yeah. Um, How about you? I I like it too because uh, mm-hmm. I think I think the opportunity was there to do it and actually bring in Batgirl, but that feels like its own story, you know, because that that's definitely not what this is about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I am assuming I don't remember what her the first Batgirl episode is like, but I'm assuming when that comes, it's going to be this is when we're going to do our Batgirl episode. Yeah, it's a two parter called a. Uh shadow of the bat maybe yeah yeah that makes sense it, it feels definitely feels like it should be a two yeah and they gave her, her own theme song which is amazing oh cool um she sort of forces her way into the group and um yeah she's capable so they just sort of don't question it after a while i mean who are they yeah. to dress up as bats also you know yeah <laughs> you can't just put so, on a bat girl costume and just go around fighting crime like okay but you can <laughs> Uh, yeah, man, you got to have the card. You got to have the key to get into the bat cave. You got to, you got to have, <laughs> you uh, mean this key? Your, You're like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> you got to have your behind your back name that Alfred calls you when he wants to be a dick to you. <laughs> She's like, who's Alfred? Oh, wait, you'll find out later when you see the cave. He's yes. a ma- major asshole. <laughs> uh, speaking of the cave, uh, I don't know if this is jumping too far to, uh, what would you draw? Uh, to bring this up, but how do you feel about the uh, Batcave attacking Batman sequence? Oh, wait. Where was that? Was that part at of episode the, two? Well, I'll tell you. It's the It happens at the very end of episode one. Oh, shit. And they, they do this nice little uh, uh, kind of Uh-oh. cliffhanger thing <laughs> where the Batcave comes alive and grabs Batman. But then it's over very quickly, and it only is basically these two little, like, robotic claws grab him, and then he defeats those, and then it's over. Oh, yeah, but that. Okay. Still. At the end of the first episode, uh, and, you know, this conversation will make more sense in August, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when but, you see uh, yet at, another thing that I stole without realizing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, at, at the end of the first episode, when the Batcave comes alive and attacks Batman, I was like, oh, Okay, uh, I think I see. I I, yeah. I think I know the sequence of this episode that Sean would like to draw. No, uh, yeah. So spoilers. Uh, there's a scene where Batman is attacked by the Batcave, and like someone hacks in and someone hacks into his car. So he's like fighting the Batmobile, fighting the Batplane, explosions everywhere. It's not good, and um, it's not as thorough as I'm sorry. It's way more thorough than this. But yes, who knows, man? Maybe as a kid, this totally uh, made it into my subconscious. You know. Well, I'm not. I'm not accusing you. I'm just. I'm just. It's, it sounds it's like the kind you are. Of, well, I mean, since we're here, we might as well litigate it. Uh, I have copyright lawyers on the line that I'd like to bring in. Yeah. Um, no, it's just. It's. It's one of those things where I, I. I felt like when they set it up, I was like, "Oh, this is going to be really cool." They haven't done this in the show yet, and then yeah. they totally, you know, punk out on it. I know. So uh, I'm. No, I'm they should have leaned that, into it more, like what I did. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I'm, I'm. I think, I think what you did uh, when people see it is gonna are gonna, uh, you know, f- I think what you did is great, and when people see it, they're gonna love it. I hope so, man. Thank you for that. Thanks for walking that back for me. <laughs> no, <laughs> you want to talk about ripoffs? There is an episode where Batman's on trial, and uh, I think I mentioned this in another podcast, but it's a lot of the White Knight arguments that Joker uses is mm-hmm. almost word for word from this one episode. And I had <laughs> totally forgot this episode existed, and it came on while I was working, and I'm just like, oh my God, it's all there. 
like did this creep into my subconscious and mm-hmm. become white knight or i don't mm-hmm. know well i mean you know your your batman is very firmly born out of the animated series so that that's not really surprising yeah i know <laughs> and I, I don't mean that in a bad way i just no. you know that's that's how that stuff works you know yeah you know what i think um, but as a i mean i don't know how you feel about being inspired by something as a writer versus coming too close to swiping it a lot of people are very very defensive if you suggest that they swiped not swiped but they were heavily influenced by something yeah um, yeah I, I mean i don't care i mean i the, i i hope I, I i mean i do that so i if people yeah. people catch it i'd be like yeah that's yeah cool <laughs> yeah it was like a nod if, to, if, to schumacher sure yeah if someone came to me and was like oh i noticed that this thing is kind of like a cross between this thing and this thing and i'm like yeah i like both <laughs> yeah. of those things <laughs> yeah. yeah man i mean for me because i don't really consider myself a writer i i'm not offended by that like i'll i'm happy to admit you know there's no yeah. original idea if you can take an old idea in a new way, then by all means take it. It's okay if it's a little bit close to this other idea. Like everyone, calm down. But I know a lot of writers are very temperamental about that stuff. Yeah, I, I you know I think it's it's one of those things is yeah. I, many people have said it about art, which is it's you know if you're if you're not stealing, you're doing it wrong. You know that's the, the mm-hmm. that's the really sensational way of saying it. <laughs> yeah. But it's that kind of thing where it's like you're taking in all this stuff. Of course, the stuff that you put out is going to be is going to be some sort of synth- synthesized version of all that stuff. You know, it, yeah. makes, it makes perfect sense. It has to be. I mean, no man is an island or no woman's an island. So it makes sense. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the greatest people who have ever made movies, you can draw direct lines to the <laughs> movies that they are ripping off. Yeah. You know, George Lucas, Francis Ford Coppola, all you can right. draw all, all these lines directly. <laughs> to French stuff or Japanese stuff. It's like, it's, yeah. it's, it's all out there. Russian stuff. It's funny. I think like an art school b- swiping and getting caught for it in any way was more damning where, but when you're a professional, people just accept that you get influenced sometimes and you yeah. come close to an idea. You steal this little bit, you steal that part over there and you make a new idea. It's kind of more accepted uh, when you're doing this five days a week for a living yeah you know i do think there's a line though like if you're straight up copying drawings and panels right. and stuff that's right. not cool but no yeah and if you ever but, do you know that, if, if you if, just if you if you do a drawing and and it's someone looks at it and go oh that looks like a that looks like a jack kirby arm and it's like well yeah <laughs> that's because i drew i wanted to draw it like a jack that's how it came out like a jack kirby arm you <laughs> yeah know? that's his power no, yeah. most of him is drawn like i drew him and then he has a jack kirby arm yeah, that's a great character. I'm stealing that. <laughs> His name is Jack Kirby Arm. <laughs> and Rob Liefeld face. And uh, what else could you do? Yeah, Bruce Tim Hare. Uh, ooh, Bruce Tim Hare, yep. Uh, like a dollop uh, of hair on the top. Uh, Tim, Tim Sale biceps. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, some big, fat, um, plump biceps. Yeah, jock cover. So a lot of... Uh, Space. Are we creating the perfect artist? <laughs> I think we are. <laughs> you, what you need is like take all the image artists in the '90s and make one big Frankenstein art out of all of them. What would it look like? Uh, I think it would be everybody who wasn't <laughs> them who was working in the '90s, <laughs> it was, and it was terrible. It was everyone who filled in every time they were late. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. It was what um, uh, Dan Panosian used to be, and I'm sure if he was here, he would agree with that. <laughs> all right, I'm I'm gonna leave that in and see if you get punched oh, in knows. the mouth. Oh, he knows. No, he knows. I, I know. Yeah, his, uh, his so prophet works we get, it all. Before we go uh, too far down the rabbit hole of people getting mad at us, whether or not we're already there, I don't know. Uh, we should probably wrap it up. Do you have a section that you would want to draw? Yeah. Other than the Batcave thing. <laughs> 
I would like to draw the beginning where the briefcase is sneaking into the office. Oh yeah, yeah, that'd be fun. I uh, I just I love drawing tech, and I, I have a thing about drawing office spaces for some reason, like drawing <laughs> tear like cork boards and posters, and I don't know what it is, but I just always love drawing our office equipment. Is it because you've never worked in an office and it's a world that you've always wanted to just reach out and touch? Oh, yeah. It's the unattainable for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And everything's so geographic and you can use a ruler on everything. There's nothing organic. So uh, I don't know. That stuff just comes more easily to me than drawing, you know, women's hair, for example. I'd rather just right. draw a desk. <laughs> <laughs> that's, why all, that's why all of White Knight 2 takes place in a boardroom. <laughs> sexy, sexy desks. <laughs> You drew a woman behind the desk. Is she attractive? Mm. Yeah, but check out that desk. Yeah. <laughs> How about you? What would you draw? Uh, I think I would draw the Bullock fight. Um, <laughs> Where he gets electrocuted? <laughs> yeah, well, I, 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 would like to, I would love to, to tackle that in, in like the Terminator kind of thing. Yeah. Or maybe not the Bullock fight, but one of the later fights where they start like knocking pieces off of them and exposing the robots and stuff. Right. I real I, I really enjoy that stuff. I yeah. uh, I thought that stuff was cool. The fa- face half off with t- Terminator face underneath half. You know what I mean? That's always yeah. that's a big '90s thing. But I think oh, it yeah. still is. It's always going to have a warm place in my heart. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. You know, it's funny. Um, I uh, I know that Hardak comes back. Mm. Uh, because I know that there is a Batman robot that shows up. Yep. And. Is as I I, for, I assumed it was in this episode, hmm. uh, but when it wasn't, I was like, "Oh yeah, that makes perfect sense that they would come back to this because that's like the one thing that they didn't do. I mean, replacing right. Bruce, replacing Bruce Wayne or Batman exactly. with a robot is like a slam dunk. You know, yeah. I'm surprised. I'm surprised that wasn't their first story idea. I know it's such a nice callback to this episode because um, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that Bruce Wayne comes back as or there's a robot Batman wandering around there. And I forget yeah. if the robot knows he's Bruce Wayne as well, and therefore does Hardak. I think Hardak must because uh, he knows your name. That's right. Yeah, uh, Dwayne. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. <laughs> yeah, whatever her name is, I can't remember what it is. Uh, uh, she finds everything out in the Batcave because she. You're right. Knocks yeah. out Alfred and then just wanders down there. I wonder if he created Batman after that. Huh. I know at one point the robot Batman thinks he killed someone and he freaks out. So he has a moral compass even though he's just circuitry, which oh, I thought cool. was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And it also talks yeah. about the whole Batman doesn't kill thing, which to me I thought was obvious, but apparently there's a lot of disagreement about that now. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, that's 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 cool. Um, I uh, Artificial intelligence, stuff like that is always fun. Uh, identity and uh, sentience. You know, that kind of stuff is fun. The data question, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, your, your so that, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I think I think Hardak was a cool character that I'm, I'm glad that they brought into this. Yeah, uh, cool. A little tortured on the, uh, anac- uh, on the uh, shit, what do you call it? When you, uh, acronym? Yes, thank you. A little tortured yes. on the acronym. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but whatever, it works. I like, yeah. you get extra points for using Cybertron. Yes. Yeah, I, 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 when I heard that, I was like, ooh, talk about calls to the lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what would you What would you rate these? Uh, I'm gonna go four on these. I'm, I see them as one episode. But uh, how about you? 
Yeah, I would agree. I think I think the f- if if I was going to split them up, I'd say the first episode is probably a three, and the mm. second episode is a four, and I think combined they're probably a four. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a good time. Uh, it's a it's a it's a different villain than we've seen so far, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a good creation for the show. I think. Yeah, for sure. I had a lot of doubt. Like if you, again, if you pitch this to me in a meeting, I'd say no. Terminator doesn't belong in 1930s Batman, but uh, this works. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, so yeah, I think that's gonna do it. Um, next time we will be back with Joker's Wild and Tiger Tiger. Mm. If you like the show, uh, follow us on Twitter at Batass Podcast or shoot us an email Batass Podcast B A T T A S S Podcast at mm-hmm. Gmail dot com. Give us a rate or review on iTunes. If you're on Reddit, if you're on a Batman or comics board and people are like, hey, what's going on with Batman in the animated <laughs> series? Is anybody doing a podcast about it? Say, yeah, badass podcast. It's great. You should listen to it. <laughs> and if you don't like my redesign of the new Batgirl, I am in line with you. You don't need to keep telling me about it on Twitter. I know it sucks, but the year one <laughs> costume sucks naturally. There's nothing I could do. If you want my Batgirl, go to White Knight. That is my Batgirl. What I'm hearing is keep telling him his re- his redesign sucks. I don't care. I didn't even get paid for it. I didn't even draw a proper turnaround. People are w- still working off my crappy doodle I did on a napkin. And before me, like, like they hired Cameron Stewart to do full rotations on the Burnside background, which is great. But they didn't pay me dick to draw anything, so I didn't. <laughs> mm, sounds like uh, he doth protest too much. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Anyway, sorry to end on a positive note. Shakespeare. <laughs> uh, yeah. <Acting>. So. <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. Yeah, we'll be back next time with Joke is Wild and Tiger Tiger. See you then. See you.